Hey y'all, I'm Kua. And this is Kendra. And this is the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Podcast about inclusive cultures and everything DEI. Hey Kua. Hey Kendra. How are you? I am doing well. It's another week. I feel like it's warming up a little bit. Yeah, we had like that crazy, what, snowstorm last (laughs) week that came out of nowhere. Um, But yeah, it is warming up. I went for a walk today during lunch. So I was like, let me get out 20 minutes. I'll walk, whatever. But it was was nice. That's nice. That's nice. I'm looking forward to um, taking my bike out. Yes. You know, I've been doing all this pelotoning, if that's a... Oh, you just created a word. A little pelotoning. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to actually getting outside and, and riding around. You know, yeah. once, once we get over that little hump, this last little gray and rain this week, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to be Definitely, outside. Yeah, be outside for sure. Exactly, exactly. So let's, I mean, we're going to dive right in. Yep. This is episode eight. Eight, yes. Episode eight. And so, um, you know, we wanted to come and, and obviously talk about the hot topic but then also a couple other things that we've been talking about more recently mm-hmm. um, and some conversations that have been happening within the DEI space um, that we feel are important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we our last episode, we talked to um, Chad, Chad, who yeah. is the owner of Due Process. And so our hot topic kind of goes kind of almost hand in hand what we talked about with him last last time we were here and together um and since then you know we found out that Derek Chauvin was found guilty right of all three charges of killing George Floyd and I know um when that verdict was delivered last week you know everyone was quickly too it was quickly and everyone was on pins and he was like okay the trial is over. We started to hear, like, you know, that the verdict will come out mm-hmm, days mm-hmm, later, weeks mm-hmm. later. We had no idea. And then all of a sudden we heard... 10 hours. Yes, 10 hours. 10 hours yes. of deliberation, which... How did you feel? Like, I, I was scared in that moment. I was scared. I was also... So, it was weird because in a matter of probably an hour, I went through so many different emotions. Yeah, the first yeah, time yeah. was, okay, it was quick, so we know we're going to get a, ver- a, a guilty verdict. Right. And then it went from, okay, if we have a guilty verdict, what's, uh, what does that truly prove? Like, you're still having all these killings. There's still police brutality. Like, what does that truly mean? And so I went through so many emotions. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I left work, and I sat in my car, and I listened to NPR radio, mm-hmm, and I heard mm-hmm. the the guilty verdict mm-hmm. on all three mm-hmm. on all three counts. And I started crying. Yeah. And yeah. I started crying from a number one, a relief B, you know, we've been going through all of this yes. in a matter of a year and, yes. and, and not even just me, but the, the country, George Floyd's yeah. family. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about my kids at school, like what does that truly mean? So it was just so much. And just to say too, we have so much more to go further to go. This is not the end. <sighs> And it was, I mean, I echo those sentiments because I went through a similar um, response and it was interesting. I was actually at work um, watching Mm -hmm. the verdict be read Mm -hmm. um, by the judge in the court and everything. And um, similar, right? So they they read the first, the second, the third, all guilty. And it was just like, yes, yes, yes. But then literally within a matter of 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. I sat there and tears started rolling from my eyes too. And I... You know, I had colleagues that were near. We were planning some event or whatever, and I felt crazy in that moment because I was just like, "Why do I? Why am I going through this yep. emotional kind of roller coaster?" But it was similar. It was definitely similar in that way that it was like, "Man, yes, this is this is great that 
someone's finally convicted for something we all saw on screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, this is the basis of where we're at. Yes. This is the basis of where we're at that we're all hoping and wishing because we've seen this happen before. Rodney King, Mm -hmm. you know, from then, I mean, this isn't, this isn't new. This isn't new. Right. And so I I don't know. And in that case, the officers didn't get into trouble. Right. So like for me, it was, it was this emotional roller coaster similar to what you were saying, but then it was also like, man, this is where we're starting from though. So yes, this is, this is a good thing, but at the same time, we're sitting here hoping and wishing that this would happen when we all saw what happened. Right. And it, it just, it's like, it shouldn't even get that far. No, like it really how shouldn't. Do we, how do we even stop it from getting to what we saw on TV? Right. Um, and we know that there's so many cases that happen even right after right. the verdict was delivered. Right. And so that's where right. I think the other emotion comes in and saying, you know, how can we stop? all of this brutality right. from the beginning, you know, how do we um, go and, and investigate all of these police departments, retrain the police department. I know yeah. there's, you know, everyone's out here saying defund the police. There's so much that needs to happen. Yeah. And I think also too, with everything, it was just like, okay, Derek Chauvin was found guilty. But in that moment I said to myself, I hope that they don't forget about us. Like the world doesn't forget about us as black people. So that, I don't know why that came to my mind. Like don't forget about us. No, I think you're right in saying that because we know, I mean, honestly, our podcast, we started after the fact. Yeah. And so even, even in that moment, there's been so much conversation, so many conversations happening around um, the space Mm -hmm. because of his death. Yeah. Because of his death. And so it begs to ask the question, and I know, you know, we, we wanted to talk a little bit more about this, but it begs to ask the question, well, what's happening since? What's What's been happening since in the diversity, equity, right. inclusion space? What has corporate America been doing? Our first conversation on the podcast was around, um, what was it, like corporate... Corporate responsibility Responsibility. Or, look at us forgetting I know, the, it's the been names so long. <laughs> corporate, corporate social, social justice. Yes, yes. yes. So like corporate social justice came out um, of this conversation to say so many companies are making these statements. So many people are committing because they've seen this one act. So to your point, now that Mm -hmm. this is done, I can tell you there's a lot of conversations with different colleagues uh, or friends that said, okay, great. This is done. Like this, you know, like this is, this is like the, the icing on the cake, right? Like, but it's not. It's not because like we saw the the young woman in Ohio who got shot right Right. after that. So it is not done. It's so much systemic racism that still exists. You know, so after this crazy week, um, yeah, it's been a lot. It's, and and I have to admit, like I had to take moments to disconnect completely Mm -hmm. after the case because I just couldn't handle Mm -hmm. that amount of motions and amount of, they call it it racial trauma yeah racial trauma i I, I, I did disconnect um but then you also feel kind of guilty sometimes disconnecting because you know you feel like you should be plugged in and but you shouldn't you shouldn't feel guilty because it's so much that's been happening over the past especially year it seems like every day there is something and so to disconnect is just for your sanity it's for your sanity (laughs) right so so there was um a conversation that was happening. Uh, there's this newsletter called Alaria, the Alaria newsletter. And uh, Dr. Aaron Thomas was uh, featured in this article. And it talked about how has corporate America been doing since 2020 and the whole anti-racism commitments. There was a lot of conversations that we, you know, we even had on our first episode about how many companies have been coming out and stating 
um, that they were going to put anti-racism in the forefront. They were going to commit to diversity, equity, and inclusion. They were going to make so many different changes. Um, and she talked about after the week we just had, especially post the, the mm-hmm. Derek Chauvin um, verdict, she has many concerns that organizations aren't going as far as they should um, when a lot of them think that they are. Mm-hmm. And so she talked about all these large uh, experiential and perceptual chasms within workplaces uh, will be misaligned on what anti-racism looks like. She talked about a lot of great progress happening in a lot of organizations. And I, I, I can say that there's a lot of organizations that are making progress from the ones that we've even worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much more foundational work that needs to happen. And so she has three gulfs within the diversity, equity, inclusion community um, that we're noticing and three questions we can ask more frequently to minimize them. And so the first one, she talked about coworkers being estranged. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that last week, especially around this, this verdict, some employees of color were subjected to personal check-ins from colleagues uh, that they haven't heard from in nearly a year who only seemed to consider them during turmoil and or who were under equipped for the interaction that they Mm -hmm. initiated. Right. So essentially, and I've, I can attest to this. I mean, I don't know about you Mm -hmm. if you've had this happen where, I mean, I can, we talked about this before on LinkedIn. There were people that I hadn't talked to in years, years years who were reaching out asking, Hey, you know, I just wanted to check it. And it's like, well, we don't have a relationship. So it makes it awkward. Yes. And I was even thinking about, you know, last week with the trial of, okay, all these people contacted me when George Floyd died. Yeah. But how genuine and sincere was it if I haven't heard from you, like you said, in well over a year? Yes. And, you know, it's really important because a lot of times, you know, people will check on you. Oh, how are you doing? You just say good. And you know, you're not good. Right. You know, you're not okay. Well, what are you going to say? Right. In that moment. Oh, I'm traumatized. I feel insane right, right now. Right. You know, you keep it pleasant and keep it moving. Cause you ain't, you ain't really checking in to check in. Exactly. You know, exactly. You're just doing it because it's the not quote unquote nice thing to do. Right. 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 But, but we know why we say, Oh, we're good or whatever the case may right. be. Cause it is based off of relationship building and trust. And we'll talk about what that means. Exactly. In terms of psychological safety. So, so she also mentioned, um, she mentioned someone at JAO writes um, on Twitter that summed up basically what she said in terms of this coworkers being estranged. And it was, um, I think her name is Lonnie. And she said, please stop encouraging non-black people to check on the black people in their lives because a lot of them are checking on strangers and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> they do not understand the assignment. She says, I think the hyper visibility of anti-black violence has given a lot of people the idea that they are much closer to individual black people than they are. Um, You watch and hear about these lynchings so often that you feel a closeness to black people that we do not feel to you, Uh, which was interesting. Very interesting. It was interesting. And I think there's some connections, like you said, that we'll make around, um, you know, the psychological safety component. But um, what she also says, and this is Dr. Thomas, she said that employees of color can't be expected to conduct business as usual without mention of the external hellscape but we can also agree that a check-in should cause no harm. And so relationships, I can't stress that enough. If you have relationships with people, go ahead and check in. You know what I mean? Those, those type of interactions are welcome. But if you do not think twice about what you're about to do. Right. And you know, 
So it's interesting, um, and, and we'll go into, like I keep saying, we're going to psychological safety. What does that mean? And so I work every day with students. Right. And after last week, we had a conversation with a group of teachers, not only within the school that I'm in, but also to outside of the school. Mm-hmm. And we had some teachers who said to to us and said, you know, we our kids are not talking about what's happening. Our mm. kids don't care what's going on. We are, they don't we are, care? They don't care. They're not talking about it. Um, why are we as teachers trying to figure out how to comfort these students at a time of need? And hmm. so um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I don't know what school or what <laughs> what classroom are you sitting in? Because I've had 10 plus kids in a matter of a few wow. hours wow. come to me literally crying, right. trying to understand what is truly going on in our world, in our country? And so I had to stop and think about why is that? Why are they feeling comfortable of coming to me yeah. and not other people? Um, and, you know, we talked about as well, like not having these conversations when something blows up. Right. You know, it has to be, again, that relationship building has to have that trust. And you also have to be authentic when you're having conversations right. in right. a classroom. Right. You have to be able to welcome those conversations on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, going back, and I tell teachers this all the time, if you want to talk about what's going on in the world, go back to what we know, right? When we were growing up, we talked about current events all the time. Absolutely. So Absolutely. let's not abandon those principles. Open up those conversations. And when we talk about, in schools particularly, when we talk about diversity, mm-hmm. we're also talking about diversity in thought. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you're opening up these 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 learners who are able to have their own opinions and able to have these conversations. And so when you have something that happens, like with the, the Derek Chauvin trial, Right. You're not saying, well, these kids don't care because they're not coming to me. Well, no, because you haven't built that relationship right. from the beginning. Or the the fact that this is a space where we can have those types yes. of conversations. Yes. Um, you don't want to go in the classroom and say, OK, class, open up to page 35. Right. You know, it's like, OK, class. Well, I understand that there's a lot of things going on in the world. And if you want to talk to me about it or I even told one teacher, she's an English teacher. And I said, how about you just invite the, the kids to just start journaling? Oh, that's a great idea. Out on the paper before even first period, before you even start any of your lesson plans, just start journaling. Yeah, and these kids will start to have, um, start to just put their feelings out on the on the paper. I think people, and and those are the conversations, you know, and all the consulting work that we've done too. I know those are the conversations that a lot of companies have struggled with because they haven't done this before, and and employees are asking for it. So, what do you do now? Um, I think one of the things, and that's what we talk about, this racial anxiety that's been taking place within the country um, for a long time, obviously, but especially last year in 2020, you have to create that type of environment. It doesn't happen by itself. People are coming into these uh, spaces with thoughts, with things that are being said to employees. And if you're not creating this dynamic and environment where that can safely happen, it it, it won't warrant really good at all. Right. Um, So... The second thing that Dr. Thomas talked about uh, is corporate communications being too safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said that there's still a ton of sluggishness across marketing communication and leadership teams to speak up and out. The external responses uh, to AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, have been glacial uh, in regards, in in comparison to um, some of the George Floyd stuff that has happened as well. And some were just off the mark completely mm-hmm. and left us on a playbook of what not to do. And that was the, um, I think it was an organization 88 rising apologized for yellow square post after the Atlanta spa shootings. Yes. Do you remember that? 
I, I do remember that, and they issued a they did issue an apology right. um, after you know everything that happened. And I think what Dr. Thomas says is that despite the fact that June twenty twenty left us with a playbook, this is still you know what you do. You know you should be able right, to, right, right. <laughs> which is kind of right. kind of funny, but it's not. But you know, um, and so we but we do see a lot of companies though issuing apologies based off of the statement that they believe is correct in the first place. Ha, I, so that's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know if I've seen as as much of that. I've I've seen it. Um, I've seen it even locally where they say we apologize for using a certain word or we apologize for not saying a certain word. Hmm. Like for example, when you're looking at um, everything that happened in June of 2020, um, a lot of people say, "Won't you say Black Lives Matter?" and you didn't say Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Got so you. now you're issuing Got you. an apology Got you. Got you. or you're trying to reverse what you're saying. Right. You know, because again, like Dr. Thomas said, your 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 statements are not strong enough. Yeah, and I think you know she talked about how um, this hand wringing that's happening within organizations on how to plan for things. I know you know we've in in some of the conversations I've had. Um, you know, we talk about those things, right? Mm-hmm. How are we going to react? What is the company's response? You know, um, how, what are we going to put out there? How are we going to do that? We run it by different people, a diverse slate of people to look at that. Um, and so the conversation that she said was, there's a lot of internal conversations that are happening, but not necessarily external. Mm-hmm. So as a company, what are your values? What do you believe? What are you connecting yourself to? And if that's not, you know, um, happening, then what are you, you know, that's the, that's the other question about it. So she said, how can we possibly walk the walk if we're still too uncomfortable to even have the talk in the first place? Right. Um, the last thing she said too, was the fact that allies, uh, are taking up too much space. Mm. And she talked about interesting dynamics reveal themselves around the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict that some black folks, folks express relief while many, you know, reflected that they didn't feel much um, after the Chauvin verdict. Meanwhile, allies heralded justice. You know, this was this was a great thing. Um, you know, we're beyond this now because justice was served. Everybody can kind of go back to uh, some sense of normalcy. And so she talked about how that gap is to be expected, but there's still dynamics at play. And we even talked about our own right. reactions to it, where it's like there's so many other emotions that are going on. Um so I don't know. She I don't know. Yeah. So if you want to follow, you know, Dr. Aaron Thomas, she's she's on Twitter with a lot of her thoughts um, surrounding this um, at Aaron Thomas, Ph.D. Um, but very, very interesting. But I think she's also just saying everything that we're thinking. Right. right. Um, but, you know, for our listeners out there, you probably thinking, well, how do we get to a place where we're having these conversations and um, having these these authentic conversations right. where if you're checking on a coworker or checking on a friend, it feels like it's genuine. Um, and, and so going back to the, um, newsletter that we had talked about, Illyria, um, they came out with an article about the bare necessity of psychological safety, Mm -hmm. um, and to what and how, and to, sorry, the what, why, and how of effective teams. And so, you know, for people who don't know what psychological safety is, um, it is the belief that the work environment is safe for interpersonal risk taking. Right. And so you have to be able to, in order to form effective teams, you have to establish that psychological safety. And that starts from the top up. Yeah, it does. Right. That's very important because you want to make sure that when you're having these conversations that you are 
creating an engaging conversation, that you're being authentic, um, and you're able to, you know, if there is a place where a healthy debate is necessary, that it is healthy and you mm-hmm. don't feel like you're, you know, um, later on down the line there's going to be retaliation or whatever the case may be. They always say the most effective teams have psychological safety established. Yeah, and 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 to that point, in the article, it talks about, um, or it was a quote from Amy Edmondson, and, and it says, psychological safety describes a belief that neither the formal nor informal consequences of interpersonal risks, like asking for help or admitting a failure, will be punitive. Mm-hmm. In psychologically safe environments, people believe that if they make a mistake or ask for help, Others will not react badly. Instead, candor is both allowed and expected. So I don't know how many spaces you've been (laughs) in, but usually people are afraid to make mistakes. I have to Mm -hmm. be perfect. I can't, you know, I can't admit that I don't know something. Um, But in an environment that's psychologically safe, you are allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to ask questions. And when we talk about that diversity of thought, you're really allowing people to bring more of themselves into the workplace Um, and in a way that you don't feel like you're dumb or you made a stupid comment or Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. So I think the more that we talk about this feature, the more work we recognize that we have to do, because I don't know how many spaces really are out there that that exists. Right. Right. And, and the article goes on to say, you know, that effective managers care about two things, results Mm. and retention. Um, and Andy Grove of, um, high output management said when a person is not doing their job, there can only be two reasons for it. The person either can't do it or won't do it. Right. Um, they are either not capable or not motivated. And so that's, again, really important because we know that psychological help, or psychological safety helps with both. And that's what you want in a company, right? right. You don't want high turnover. Right. Um, because, you know, when we talk about all of this, it really comes down to companies' bottom line, right? When we, even as consultants, when we talk about, you know, people say, how would this benefit my company? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's not, let's start talking about dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about this, results and retention, you don't want high turnover. Yeah. Because that's more money for the company. You want to make sure that you're promoting within all of these things. It's like they're building blocks. Right. Right. Um, and so we know that, you know, that that helps with with motivation overall. And so uh, one of the other connections that were made was the fact that um, fear is is definitely it, it inhibits motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're scared, it, it limits your creativity. If you're not willing to open your mouth oh, I'm just going to be quiet because I ain't really looking for my comments anyway, um, which reduces the amount of ideas that are coming to the table. And so psychological safety is the best anecdote. It says to fear in the workplace because you're allowed to show more vulnerability. Yes. Uh, You're allowed to say, you know what? I'm not having a great day today. Um, And you can bring more of your whole self to work. And that's how we leverage more diversity, right? Right. If people are bringing their true selves. If I wanted to hire a million people that were the same, Mm -hmm. you know, that limits innovation. And so that's, that's exactly what we're trying to trying to do here. Right. So, you know, how do we how do we foster psychological safety? How do we get there? You mm-hmm. know, how, again, being authentic um, with your coworkers. The first one, this article, they talk about water cooler conversations. I know a lot of places are, you know, not even in a building right now. But right now, what you can do with COVID, you know, is call call a coworker, have just random conversations right. with them. Right. Um, same type of conversations you would have at the water cooler um, but making sure that, you know, you're calling them just to say, hey, I'm just checking in. We're not even talking about work. Like, how are things going? Yeah. And that I remember when I was in corporate 
that felt so good just to hear from a coworker mm. that was not about work. Mm. It was just literally checking in, seeing how you're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm like, wait, so we're going to talk about this project, right? They're like, no, I'm just checking in, see how you're doing. And it felt so good because right. now you're forming that trust. Right. And that's exactly what it is, is trust at the basis and the foundation of all of this. Um, another thing that it talked about was debate. Mm-hmm. Disagreement is feedback. And the sooner we learn to efficiently disagree with each other, the sooner we'll trust and respect each other. And this was from um, The Art of Leadership. It was a book. And so if we can build that trust and that respect and disagree efficiently, that's also where innovation is coming from as well. You know, like different ideas are coming to the table. People are able to point out different issues or problems with other people's ideas versus, oh, well, that's the CEO or that's the director, so I can't come against them. You know, the highest paid person in the room. Right. Um, so creating that opportunity where, hey, challenge me. Right. That's only going to make us better. And I and I tell my colleagues that all the time. Like, truly challenge me. If you see something that can make us better, look, we can do this a different way. I remember Barack Obama said that, too. Mm. He said, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm, that's and, a great point. Uh, he said, make sure that, you know, you're challenging me. He's like, I'm the president of the United States, but if I had everyone in the same room that thought like me, then we wouldn't be right. successful. Right. So challenge me. Right. Question me. Right. Go against the grain. Right. Like, all those things. And if you are truly an effective leader, you will welcome that. And so other other things to uh, foster that, right? They talk about, you You kind of mentioned this already in terms of that relationship building, water cooler talk, which some people hate, not going to lie. Yeah. But finding ways to connect uh, with people around things that are not always about work. Mm-hmm. It also talks about um, really inviting participation. If you notice somebody's quiet, hey, Invite Kendra, I, I noticed you didn't say, do you have any thoughts around this? Inviting yeah. people in um, and then walk in the talk. Admit, admit when you are in a space where I'm not having a great day or, you know, I need a little bit of space, uh, but I'll come back to you, that type of thing. But really trying to create that environment um, for, for folks to thrive in. Right, right. And um, at the end of this article, and I'm trying to bring it up here, and I was reading it, there's a, a quote um, from one of my my favorite books that I can't. Oh, here we go. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm, we talk about one of our favorite book. books, that's but this book. is a good book. Um, and it says building a functional team is not a sophisticated or incredibly complex process. Instead, it needs an incredible, con- consistent and persistent adherence to very simple principles. This isn't rocket science. Right. You know, it is all about just being you bring your, your, we always talk about bring your authentic self to the room. Right. If you're a jerk, be a jerk, but at least people know you're a jerk. Right. But be a nice jerk. <laughs> but be a nice jerk. Yeah. Right. But, but what I'm saying is like, be your authentic self. Don't, you know, say, Oh, this is the boss is in the room. And so I can't say anything. I have to keep quiet. Like right. that does not foster innovation. That does not tr- foster trust, creativity, and it will also stifle your organization. Right. I agree. So I think, you know, you, you brought up that, that book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I, I, I mean, that's a great story yeah. um, to read. We wanted to talk a little bit more about some resources or, or things that we go to uh, to learn a little bit more about the DEI space. And Alaria is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. That newsletter, they bring up hot. To- I mean, honestly, that's where we get a lot of our hot topics and discussions from um, because there's a whole list of resources, especially within the DEI space that you might be unaware of or um, just examples and things that you can bring up. I know I've used some of those resources within our employee resource groups as well to Mm -hmm. foster some conversations around some hot topics. Um, What else you got? What you got? So I'm in the education space. (laughs) Right. Uh, So a lot of my stuff comes from the um, National Independent School Association. Okay. Um, I get a lot of my stuff from there. 
Um, but I also to get a lot of myself from just reading. Like, yeah. I, I love reading books. I love just getting knowledge and soaking up knowledge. Again, being in education space, um, there's so many, so many great books. There's one book that I'm reading right now. So if anybody wants to check it out, I love Christopher, Christopher Emden. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but he is, he's amazing. He has this book coming out in August, August called, uh, Ratchet Academics or something Ooh. like that, but it's so good. So there's a book called, um, for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest mm, of y'all too. I remember that one. And I, this is my second time reading it in a matter of probably six months um, because it's so good. And it's for anybody who has a specific mindset. It's not for just white people. It's not for just educators. It's okay. for anybody who has a specific mindset about educating our youth. And that's where my passion is right now. Um, and so I really use that book to um, help foster conversations within the classroom with our educators. Okay. Um, I have another one. I'm actually in the middle of reading this right now, but it's called uh, uh, Our Iceberg is Melting. Mm. And that is another John Cotter who um, mm -hmm. did the five dysfunctions, which mm -hmm. is great. It's it's about um, it's actually a fable. And I like that because they, they make it into a story uh, about doing well in an ever changing world. It's based on uh, the the work from Cotter. It's a story that's been used to help thousands of people in organizations and so the fable is about a penguin colony in Antarctica. It's a group of beautiful emperor penguins, um, and they've lived like they did for many years. Then one curious bird discovers a potentially devastating problem threatening their home, and pretty much no one listens to him. And so they talk about all these different uh, characters within the story, and it, it's a larger tale of resistance to change and the heroic action um, through obstacles and, and tactics for dealing with those obstacles. So you can, you can attach this to the work that you do and the different characters within the workplace, mm -hmm. like, you know, people who are the naysayers or these people who are the supporters and things right. like that. So um, I think just based on trying to create change in an organization, that's definitely a, a great book. And um, I'm in the middle of that one now, so I can, I can say oh, that's, that's been a, really that's cool. A, that's a good recommendation. Um, one more book that I would like to, to recommend too, that I, um, actually just finished reading and it took me a while to get through because I had to stop and like really think about what they were saying. Push out. Oh, so okay. It's, okay. it talks about the criminalization of black girls, um, in schools particularly. And mm -hmm. they talk about, you know, our policies and practices that we have in schools, um, towards our, our black girls that are, you know, it could be, um, pushing them from the school to prison pipeline or really not paying, giving them much attention in the schools. And so it's just a really, it's a really heavy book, but it's a really good book. So it's called, um, it's called push out. If anybody wants to read that. Um, and thinking about some of the other kind of online resources, uh, just kind of put some out there that people might be interested in looking at. Saterman connect S A T E R M A N connect. Um, and if you go to satermanconnect.com, they also have resources if you think about resource groups or different topics you want to bring up, um, like heritage months, what you can mm -hmm. be talking about, different events you might be doing within your workplace, um, diversity Inc news. And I think that's based on diversity based, uh, best practices online as well as a great resource. They have meetings in a box. You can subscribe, um, oh. things that you can take resources. I know that I recently listened to their ones on, um, diversity dashboards and how you can track and measure things over time. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of rich resources there. Um, and the diversity movement is another one. Um, a colleague from the Cornell program I did runs that with some other colleagues and they have a bunch of resources too. So they actually had a guide 
for how to talk about Derek Chauvin case and the verdict yep. at work and yep. things like that. So more uh, relevant, high profile news, how to have conversations with your marketing team about what languages to use, things about bias and what you might want to uh, skip out on as well. And then lastly, I'll just share on LinkedIn, and anybody can get this as well. There's called the Pink Elephant Newsletter, mm -hmm. and that's by Janice uh, Gossam Asare. And she has a bunch of different topics out there and kind of things that are going on um, within the DEI space as well. So what, what else you got? You got anything else you want to add? I think we... Look, we, yeah, route, we listed out all these uh, different resources, but it's also helpful to get, you know, I look... Get ideas right. from other people. Great ideas. And I also say, like, don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and, and get your hands dirty. Like, right, right. It's now, you know. Some elbow grease. Yes, we move past the surface level statements. We move past the surface level books. You know, how to be anti-racist. Like, right, all those right, things. Like, right, right, it's right. time for us to It's really, time to implement. Yeah, to implement and to really dig deep and to challenge yourself. Right. Because, again, this is, we talked about this in a, another podcast um, the CDC director said, this is not going to be easy. Right, you know, this right. is going to be taken one step at a time. And so just to like quickly wrap it up, you know, with Derek Chauvin, this is not the end. This is not like, oh, we won. Right. You know, this is just literally like not even the like below the beginning and whatever that may be. But this is like we have to build on top of that. This is not the it's not the end. And the way that we can do that to sustain change, I think, too, is looking at policies, is looking at legislation, is looking at how you can. And maybe that's something your company can do, too, is support different legislations or policies that impact the people that you work with. I mean, we've been talking about the George Floyd um, Act. What What's the piece Just, of legislation? Uh, justice. Policing Act, the Justice Policing Act. How do we support that? How do we um, make sure that we're putting some some emphasis behind that as well? So, I don't know. There's many ways to get involved, but um, you know, you gotta find your your space and peace in it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, gem of the gem of the day. Gem of the day. I brought it up, so you gotta go first. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> you try to beat me to it. Look. Um. Actually, I was looking up this quote because I have this. Um. <laughs> it's funny because one of my students actually put this quote up on my board mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago. And um, she said, you know, this is something that she's going to abide by as she goes into her freshman year in college. And she said, you know what, Ms. Brim, I think I'm going to put on your on your board so you can always remember me. I said, okay, that's, that's cool. That's fine. Okay. So uh, the quote that she has on my board is by Maya Angelou. And it says, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor and some style. Oh, I like that. So, um, you know, she has been very stressed out the senior year. There's just a lot going on, obviously, with students and schools and things like that. And so she's we were talking about grace and what does that mean? And mm -hmm. so she was saying that this quote that her mother was talking to her about. And so she is now she wrote that on her notebook. She wrote it like in her room or something. She's like, yeah. now I'm putting it on your board. So I actually love it. I'm probably not going to erase it anytime soon because it reminds me just to like give yourself some grace, but also to like, you have to thrive. You can't just survive. And I think that's what we've all been trying to do this past year is just survive. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to just try to survive, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But now we have to like kind of move past that and thrive and be the people, the person who we're, we're always meant to be. Right. Well, that's, such a great gem <laughs> <laughs> that for my gem, I'm just going to plug um, both Kendra and I are speaking on Friday. Yes. Look, I had to double check <laughs> the time. Uh, Friday, we are speaking at the Young Nonprofit Professional Network 
um, conference as their keynote speakers. And so this year's theme is adapting to a virtual world. Uh, we're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but some of the things that we, we alluded to today, right. In terms of how you're creating space to get rid of groupthink, how are you elevating voices, um, at the table and how are we making sure that we create these environments of inclusion, even through a virtual world and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so the keynote is Friday, April 30th. It's going to be from nine to 10 AM. If you go to YNPN's, um, Facebook site or LinkedIn, and that, like I said, it's YNPN Greater Buffalo uh, for young young nonprofit professionals. You can find the registration information there and tune in. I'm excited about that. Yes, I'm definitely excited. I love YNPN. Um, I've been able to connect with them on several bases in the past. So it's just great to connect back with them. There's some great folks over there. Yeah, so if you yeah. want to know more about YNPN, definitely check them out. Exactly. So that's my gym. Check us out Friday morning. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll see, we'll see y'all next week. We'll see you next week. Peace. Hey y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Make sure you rate and subscribe on all of the major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms at Black Gems Dive In on Twitter and Instagram and at Black Gems Dive In Podcast on Facebook.